Welcome to First Baptist Church of Terrytown, sharing God's love and hope around the world. Our prayer is that your life is transformed as you hear the Word of God preached today. What are things that are troubling people going into the new year? So we're about to hit in 2024, and Kristen, why don't you come on up? You can select any color you would like from the... Chris, oh, you're going to take the whole thing. Okay. See, this is this is why you have the teacher do that kind of thing. So think about that. So it does. It could be something troubling you. It could be problems, difficulties you have, but it could be stuff other people have too. So uh, Steve, go ahead and mute this mic, and then I'm going to switch over to this one, and I'm going to come over, throw up a hand if you want to share what are things that are troubling people right now and that they anticipate going into the next year. Right off from the beginning. Okay, Marley. It's because they're getting drunk, so that's trouble on them because they're getting drunk. Swinging for the fences right there. Okay. <laughs> war. Oh, yeah, war, right? On multiple fronts. And where will it spill over to? You know, we have a history of, of war. Yeah, war. Kristen is uh, going to be recording them down for posterity. Finances. Yeah. Isn't that the perennial problem? Finances. What else? Work. Work. Too much, too little, right? Who else? Who else? All right. Health. Health, yes. Health of your own health, health for others. Absolutely. That can be, that is a huge difficulty. What else? Government, the Chancellor administration. Government, yes. Government. It's, uh, we don't have a perfect government, and we never will until King Jesus comes back. It's interesting. I remember being in a philosophy class where some where they were like, "Hey, you know, what's the best form of government?" And and everyone was like, "Well, I guess a democracy, a democracy." And then it was years later I realized, "No, it's a monarchy, but not any monarchy. Only a monarchy where King Jesus reigns. Not any other monarchy. Other than that, you know, as far as I know, you know, a representative republic, which is what we have, a democracy, is probably the best we can do without King Jesus on the throne, right? But uh oh man, yeah, government, the perennial problem. Who else? Who else? Who else? Oh, go over here, Frank. I'm going to cut through here. I know. Those of you who don't want to talk to me, you're not making eye contact. Uh, letting go and let God. Yeah. Let, isn't that hard? Letting go and letting God? Anyone have a hard time with that? Yeah. That is, that is difficult. Okay. Any other troubles? Yes. The education of children. That is hard. Yeah. And educating them just with mathematics, educating them with the morals, and, uh, you know, trying to do the nuance of, hey, here's good parts of our culture, right? Because we don't want to be like, ah, it's all evil out there, right? Like, you don't want to do that. That's not helpful because there are wonderful parts of our culture that we live in. But then to say, okay, this is a good part of the culture, but this is not a good part of the culture, right? That's, that is a challenge. That's a challenge, especially with young kids because they only see in black and white, right? So trying to teach them the nuance of that is hard. All right. Any others? Anyone else? Oh, well, all the way in the back. Were you raising your hand for him or you both have? Fear and division of, of people. Yeah, yeah, that's a good answer. Fear, well, yeah, it's a good answer. It's not a good thing. <laughs> Fear and division of people. Yeah. Ah, Leah. Pollution. Pollution, yeah, that's a huge issue. That is. That is. Okay, so. Kristen, good job. I forgot you were up there. I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay, so if you um could you yeah, just put her right over there. Okay, Steve, switch me over. So 
wow, good timing. <laughs> so we have all of these issues, and, and they cause us stress. And in the midst of that, we say, well, why would you praise God? So we made this list, and someone was like, hey, come to church. It's encouraging. And first thing, the pastor's out there, hey, what causes you stress? Right? And everyone's like, oh, my goodness, there's too many things to list. It's so hard. It's so difficult. And yet, in the midst of this, why would we praise God? Why should we praise God? Not just praise God, why praise God publicly? And now that the whole world knows (laughs) that us Christians, we have issues, we have problems, we have stresses, we have difficulties, we have hardships, we have concerns, maybe even fears, going into the next year. Why should we still publicly praise God? So I think... The psalmist who wrote Psalm 103, it says, of David. So that could mean it was by David or in the, uh, in the spirit of King David. We'll just say David. He gives us an answer right from the text. In Psalm 103, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Why should we publicly praise the Lord? David says this, he says, bless the Lord. And that's kind of a weird thing, right? When that song 10,000 Reasons came out a number of years ago, I know a number of Christians were like, it starts off, bless the Lord, oh my soul, right? And we're like, bless the Lord. He blesses us. What can I possibly give to him? And then we remember the drummer boy and you're like, ah, a drum solo. That's what the Lord wants from me. <laughs> no, um, I can give him my heart. Yes. But, but really, I mean, there is nothing I can give God that enriches him. Everything God gives me enriches me. Uh, but, but in this context, what the psalmist is saying is, is we give him praise. We publicly acknowledge what he has done for us. And in doing so, it is like, like a child who is blessing their parents. Now, like on Christmas morning, what can a child possibly give their parents that enriches their lives? Uh, nothing really, nothing of substance, except you know, their love and their affection and their care and their compassion. And does that increase their bank account? No. But does that increase the relationship? It does. And so David says, bless the Lord. I am going to praise the Lord. I'm going to praise him publicly. All that is within me, bless his holy name. Forget not all his benefits, he says. Benefits. What has God done for me? He's talking about benefits here. What are the benefits of your job? You get a job and they're like, okay, what are the benefits that are coming along with this, right? And those seem to be a lot less and less every year. But But what are the benefits of following the Lord? David just lists off a few here. Verse 3, who forgives all your iniquities? He forgives all of your sin. He heals all of your diseases. So David is saying, when you are healed of your disease, that is from the hand of God. And if you're not healed right now, one day you will be. And as Christians, we understand one day when King Jesus comes, we will not deal with illness and disease any longer. So he will. Verse 4, who redeems your life from the pit, from death. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, love that lasts forever. Who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. So one, David, he's prophesying here. One day King Jesus is going to come back, and we are going to be renewed. 
We're going to be renewed. We're going to have a new glorified body and life is going to be the way it ought to be, not the way it currently is. So these are just some of the benefits David says. And he says, he's telling ancient Israel, we should publicly praise the Lord because all because of all of his everlasting benefits, because God has given us so many benefits. He lists some of them here. But I figured this might be a longer answer. What or how has God blessed you? It could be some of the things David mentioned. It could, have, it could be some of the things uh, that are very personal to your life. But how has God blessed you? Who wants to share? Go ahead and switch me over, Steve. Who wants to share? What? Oh, again, nepotism right here. Wait, what does that mean? Uh, cats. Okay. Cats. I agree with you 50%. Uh, <laughs> we have two cats. You can do the math. Uh, yeah, Frank. Sobriety. Sobriety. Amen. Amen. What else? What has God blessed you with? Brought me to a thought I could not reach on my own. Salvation. Amen. Oh, amen, amen. Salvation. Three years ago, Christmas Eve, Art rang the gong in the radiation department uh, after a cancerous brain tumor was removed. Praise God. And Art is here. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Yes. A loving and supportive church family. Wonderful. I, I, amen to that. Like, we came into this. You, know, you, you never know what you're getting into when you come here. Amen. Wonderful. Loving and supporting church family. A youth group um, with a community and godly leaders uh, that are pointing our teens to Christ. Amen. Perfect. Oh, and if you want to share a little bit longer, you can just gesture to take the mic from me so that, you know, I'm not awkwardly, you know, <laughs> holding it at you. Who else? How has God blessed you? It could be frivolous, like cats. It could be something deep. With my boys and my grandchildren and my family. Amen. Yes. Yes. Family. Growing family. We're all growing after the holidays. <laughs> My new boss. Did you guys hear what she said? My new boss. I didn't realize you had a second job. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> More understanding. More understanding. More understanding. Praise God. Praise God. Other, other, anyone else? Anyone else? Uh, good neighbors. Good neighbors. Yes. Praise God. Good health. Good health, yes. Okay, see, see, hold on. I'm going to come back and then I'll circle back around. Yes. My family and my pets. Your family and pets, amen. God has blessed us with a new home. And thank you for your prayers. Praise the Lord. Did I see any other hands? Oh, yeah, okay. Answering prayers even when I don't think they're going to be answered. Isn't that amazing? God is so faithful. We're like, yeah, it's not going to happen. And he does. A purpose and meaning in life and just something to live for um, and the joy in the journey. And also, I'm, I'm grateful for our children. We've really been blessed. <laughs> Everyone stared his children awkwardly and go, ah, 
make them feel more awkward than they are right now. All right. Anyone else? Anyone else? Last call. Okay. Thank you, Kristen. So the amazing thing is here, God has blessed us with so much. David lists off a number of things. He forgives you of all of your sins. He heals you of your disease. If you have been healed, that is from the hand of God. Yes, he might be secondarily working through medical professionals, but he has worked, or it will happen when King Jesus comes back. He redeems your life from the pit. We do not have to fear death. We don't. Because of King Jesus, we know that we know that we know that he holds us in the palm of his hand. He will never let us go. He will not lose one of us if you are in Christ Jesus. That is an encouragement. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Crowns you. Right? You think about getting an award or position. But the position you get, it's not CEO, it's not president, it's not an Emmy, it's not a Grammy. What is it? It is the love of God placed on your head so that when people see you, they know you are loved by a God in heaven who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. He gives us this joy and he gives us this promise of a future kingdom. And then then we have all of these other blessings that so many of you listed off. David goes on. In verse 6, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He makes known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, and he remembers that we are dust. So, so David's writing here, and, and he not only is, is saying, hey, we're going to praise God for his benefits. We're going to praise him because he knows how frail we are and he knows how, how weak we are and he loves us in spite of all of our failures. He loves us in spite of all of our frailties. Even when we intentionally sin and mess up, his steadfast love endures forever. It's incredible. Let's go through this real quick. He says, the Lord works righteousness and justice for those who are oppressed. If you have ever been oppressed or part of a group of people that have been oppressed, that is a great hope that God does work and will work towards justice. He is a God of justice. He sees your pain. He sees the oppression, and he will make it right. Verse 7, he makes known his ways to Moses. His acts to the people of Israel. This is important. You might skip over that, but but this is important. God reveals himself to us through the scriptures. We can know who God is. We don't have to play this guessing game. Well, maybe God's like this, or maybe God's like that, or does God approve of this kind of activity, or does he disapprove of this activity? We know because he's revealed himself to us. We can know him through his scriptures. That is a blessing. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. That slow to anger, you'll see it all over the Old Testament. Literally in the Old Testament, it says God is long of nose. 
God has a long nose, which is a really weird idiom. Why does God have a long nose? Well, because the idea is that a longer nose means that you have a longer patience, and a shorter nose means that you don't have patience. The modern idiom would be that that guy has a short fuse, right? We all know someone with a short fuse, right? They have a short fuse and something annoys them, boom, they explode. If they have a long fuse, well, you know, they're, they're pretty patient. God is patient. He is long of nose. His, he is slow to anger and abounding in love. He won't, won't always chide us even when we mess up, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. What a great metaphor. When we repent and ask God for forgiveness, he removes them from us. We know because of progressive revelation, meaning God reveals himself more over time and through the New Testament, that when we repent of our sins, the blood of Jesus is applied to us and God no longer holds our sins against us but he sees the righteousness, the goodness, the justice of Jesus upon us. The rest of the world might deal with us according to our sins. God does not. That is encouraging. And as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Yes, God understands our frailty. He understands how how strong the urge to sin is. He doesn't deal with us as he ought to. He deals with us out of his abundant love, knowing our weaknesses. A number of years ago, I was working with a parachurch organization called uh, Freedom Builders. And what it was kind of a cool idea. Freedom builders would bring in Christians and churches from a, a community, and they would go into uh, neighbors' homes or places where they lived and like rebuild them or, or you know, bring their, their life up a little bit, right? So if they needed a wheelchair ramp, we'd build wheelchair ramps. If, if uh, you needed like some plumbing work, they would, they would fix the plumbing so you could actually have a working uh, toilet or a sink. Uh, the roof, that was one of the things we often did was they would put roofs on people's houses that were just constantly leaking. And, uh, and I remember one summer I, I was working with them and my friend Skip, who is the, the, the head of the organization, uh, but also would work in the field often. He, uh, he sent us to this one home and we needed to do a new roof. And I was like, okay. And we did the roof and, and we were talking with a homeowner and, and she had a, a mom who was living there who wasn't in good health. And, and she had a brother who was there not in good health. And so we're, we're working on this. She was kind of a difficult person to deal with, kind of entitled, actually really entitled, kind of to the point where it was off-putting. You, you ever work with somebody like that before? Very hard, very hard. And, uh, and I found out later, my friend Skip, he added the roof job after he and a small team had put in a wheelchair ramp for them. And while they were working on the wheelchair ramp, it started to rain and there was an emergency. They had to go, so they couldn't finish it that day. Well, she was angry that they were putting this wheel, that they didn't finish the wheelchair ramp in one day. Now, this was all free. It's a ministry. <laughs> um, she was angry about the wheelchair ramp. And so they, uh, uh, she, she blasted my friend and Freedom Builders on social media. And, uh, and she called the authorities on them uh, to complain about what had happened, right? And I'm like, okay, you know, so from my standpoint, like, all right, you're going to do this. I'll finish the wheelchair ramp and we are done, right? Because I'm doing something nice for you. And this is how you, t- I mean, it's all free. I'm not obligated to do anything. 
And this is how you treat me? And yet, still, he understood that their roof is leaking and that they need help in spite of their bad behavior. And he sent a team of us over to take off the old roof and put a new roof on. Even though she didn't deserve it. Even though she was surly. Even though she decided to blast them and and slander their name to the authorities and to social media. Which I don't know what's worse these days. Sometimes the social media mob can really get you. That's what God does for us. Even in our weaknesses, even in our entitlements, even in our sins. Even when we're absolutely being obnoxious and God doesn't owe us anything and we owe him everything and yet we still, you owe me this and you owe me that and you need to do everything for me. And God doesn't deal with us as he ought to. Ping! (laughs) Get out of here, you twerp. He doesn't deal with us as he ought to, but like a, a compassionate father or mother showing love to a child who's acting obnoxious, but still saying, I love you. You don't deserve this, but I love you anyways. And so I'm going to be gracious and give you what you don't deserve. That's what God does. Talk about publicly praising. God doesn't deal with us the way he ought to. God doesn't deal with us the way that our behavior dictates. No, instead, he understands our frailty. He understands our weakness, and he shows us forgiveness, and he shows us mercy. And better than mercy, mercy is not getting what you deserve, the punishment you deserve. He shows us grace. He not only doesn't punish us, he takes us out for ice cream. God's benefits are amazing. Why should we publicly praise him? Because his benefits are forever. Verse 15, David says, as for man, as for humanity, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field for the wind passes over it and it is gone and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. That's really somber, isn't it? Our days are like grass. And he's writing this in the Middle East. If you've ever, uh, if you've ever, anyone ever been to Southern California before? Okay. It's very similar to, uh, to, to to Israel. Like it's on the same latitudinal line. So if you've ever been there, you understand the climate of Israel. In, in Southern California, if it rains for like, you know, a minute, the next day there is all of this grass that comes out of nowhere from the desert. It's like amazing. It's beautiful. The hills are just green. It's amazing. And then you know what happens the day after? Gone. So it's not even like here, right? We're like, oh yeah, grass, you know, it's only here for a little bit. No, it's, he's talking about Southern California grass. You, you throw some water down on anywhere and it's like, oh wow, it's amazing. And then the next day it is dead. Our lives are like that. They are so fleeting. According to modern scientific cosmology, uh, the best understanding that scientists have of the universe is that the universe will eventually come to an end. They call it the heat death of the universe. That one day the energy will run out. The, the, excuse me. One day the universe will run out of energy. Molecules will stop moving and it will all end. And at that point, everything 
anyone has ever done, what we have achieved, what we've accomplished, will all come to an end and won't matter. The heat death of the universe. But as science tells us, unless there is an external force that is acting upon our reality, and we as Christians, we understand there is an external force that will come and will act, and that is God himself. The Lord Jesus Christ will come and renew all things. But here is the reality. It's so somber. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. Wow! And the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. So many of us will die absolutely unknown within a generation or two at most. And yet, it says in verse 17, the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. God's love endures forever. So if you want to have a life that stretches into eternity, work within the love of Christ. If you want to do things that impact not just this world and not just this life, and when you are gone, it is all wiped off the slate. Love in the name and the power of Jesus, in the name and the power of our Lord, because his steadfast love endures forever. My works, they will fade. This building, eventually, at some point, hopefully not in my lifetime, hopefully not in your lifetime, eventually this building will crumble. There'll be nothing left. The love of Jesus endures forever, forever. So if you want your work to matter, fear the Lord. Show him respect, show him reverence. Be filled with the love of Jesus Christ and what you do with your family, what you do with your neighbors, what you do in your work. Do it in the name and the love of Jesus and that work will stretch on to eternity because my work will fade, but the work of the Lord endures forever. Only God's love endures forever. Why should we publicly praise God? Because his benefits last forever. And David ends his psalm with this, bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all of his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise him publicly because of what he has done. Now, look, we started this off and I said, hey, what are troubles that people are going to run into in 2024? And those are real. These are real. We can't ignore them. So what, what David is saying and what I'm saying is not this, this positive thinking. If you've ever run into people who are like 100% positive thinking, like I, I have a hard time with them, right? Because it's just, it, it, there's something manic about it. it. There's something denying reality. Just think positive. Be positive. Be positive. And it's like, you know what? There are negatives, in this world. Think positive. What about the war in Ukraine? Think positive. What about the war in Israel and Gaza? Think positive. What positiveness are you going to come out of that? That is, that is not reality. That is not realistic. What positives are going to come out of poverty? What positives are going to come out of oppression? What positives are going to come out of division among people groups, among ethnicities, among socioeconomic levels? can't think positive about that. And so as Christians, we understand, yes, people will face drunkenness. They will face war, finances. They'll work too much or too little. Their health 
or the health of the loved one. Worse, I think, is the health of the loved one being hurt. Government. I have no clue what 2024 holds, but I guarantee you our government will mess up. (laughs) That is sure. It's been true for every decade and era. Letting go and letting God, that's hard. We can't do that. Educating children, that's hard. Fear and division of people, yeah. I don't see that helping anytime soon. The 24-hour news cycle is dedicated towards raising fear within people's hearts. That's how you get eyes on your TV. And pollution, that's a huge issue. But as Christians, while we try to work against our troubles, and while we actually have to take these things into account, don't allow the troubles that we have to swallow up the blessings of God that we have now and the blessings of God that are coming. That's the problem, and I think that's the that's the trick, if I can use that word, is to say, yes, I have troubles. Yes, I have difficulties. But as King Jesus said in the Gospel of John, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. While you have trouble, and while you have difficulties, don't allow them to force you to lose sight of the beauty of God's blessings and the things he's done for your life, the pets, the sobriety, the salvation we have, the healing that we've experienced, the church family that we have and is growing, the youth group and community that we have within our church, children and family and growing families. And you know what? I did make a joke. We all grew a little bit this holiday season. And you know what? Praise God for that. I know we're in like a fitness culture and this all, but you know what? Praise God because we had food to be able to grow. I'm going to skip my new boss. I don't know how to talk about that one. But we, God's blessing, we have more understanding for each other. Good neighbors, ah, oh, that is a wonderful thing. Good health, new home, answering prayers unexpectedly, the joy of the journey. It is important to count our blessings. It is important to do this. It doesn't mean that we ignore our troubles. It doesn't mean that we don't work on our troubles. It doesn't mean that we pretend they don't exist. It means we acknowledge them, but at the same time, simultaneously, we acknowledge the many blessings that our God has given us, the eternal benefits that he brings towards us. And if you don't have it now, we have hope that one day King Jesus will bring it. We should praise God publicly like we are doing today in this place. We praise him publicly because his benefits are everlasting. They're everlasting. They don't end. In 2024, count your blessings publicly. Look, right now I understand things can be hard but there's blessings too. We're stressed, but blessed. Let's pray. Father, as the worship team comes up to help us, guide us, and lead us into singing songs of praise to you. Yes, we are stressed, but we are blessed at the same time. Yes, the road is hard, but you are working. Father, help us not to be swallowed up by our troubles and by our difficulties. 
But as we acknowledge them and as we ask for help and as we, we, we strive and, and work against those troubles that we have, help us also to never be so overwhelmed that we lose sight of the great blessings that you've given us. Father, we don't know what the future holds in 2024, but we know ultimately what happens. One day, King Jesus comes back and he makes all things right for those who love him for those who have trusted that he died for their sins and rose again. We know that our future is bright. Fill us with your hope. Fill us with your joy. It is in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about the church or make an online donation, please visit us at fbctarrytown.org.